0: Our last exciting chapter left us hanging with Alpine and Bazooka being advanced upon by, in the words of the narrator, ferocious leopard seals. It's incredibly common knowledge that you defeat seals by clubbing them, so the shirtless karate guy clubs the seals remotely using his boomerang nunchucks. Oh, did I say shirtless? I left out barefoot. In the Arctic Circle, just so we're being clear here. Some karate stuff happens between this dude, who calls himself Quick Kick, and Storm Shadow the Cobra Ninja. Storm Shadow loses, but at least this feels like a more even matchup than the last miniseries when he fought G.I. Joe's resident Native American, Spirit. Incidentally, I looked up Spirit in Wikipedia in an attempt to be more specific than just Native American. Like, was he Cherokee or Comanche or... Wikipedia didn't say, but I did learn that his real name is Charlie Iron Knife. So, that's something. Anyway, Quick Kick isn't officially part of the Joe team yet, but he already calls himself Quick Kick, so I guess that's his real name? I could look that up, but I've been burned once already. Also, he talks in bad movie clichés and even worse impressions, which is still less annoying than Wheelie from Transformers. Major Blood activates his control cube, then begins the incredibly long drive home in his hiss tank, and he doesn't even notice the three grown men hitching a ride in the undercarriage. Meanwhile, on the aircraft carrier, the kidnapped Crimson Twin somehow convinces every Joe and also the dozens of sailors hanging around above decks to stare right at his Cobra insignia, which then temporarily blinds them so he can escape. But then he doesn't. And back at Cobra HQ, his psychically linked twin feels his pain. By treating Tomax roughly, G.I. Joe has enabled me to feel my brother's whereabouts. Man, it sounds so dirty when you say it like that. So Zaymot goes to rescue Tomax, and Cobra Commander promises not to activate the final cube until he's successful, and then immediately orders Destro and the Baroness not to do that as soon as Zaymot leaves the room. Wow, that betrayal just came from out of nowhere, huh? Cobra Commander is usually so trustworthy. Meanwhile, that lounge singer that Shipwreck and Snake Eyes are hiding out with is trying to get to the next Cobra installation for a gig, but the guard won't let her in without righteous ID. His words. Then this happens. Agitation friend, that's your scene. Gyration, syncopation, animation or imagination. Do not provoke my irritation, but agitation. Yuck, with a capital barf. Let's amuse the man compadres. The savage beast. I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that we're watching a show about a daring, highly trained special mission force trying to stop a ruthless terrorist organization from succeeding in a plot with serious global repercussions. So a fight ensues with the first punch being thrown by the Joes. I point this out because it completely negates the need for them to be wearing disguises or singing a song. If their plan was always to beat up the guards, why did they even bother with all that? The only answer that makes sense is because they thought it would be fun. Snake Eyes wanted to put on a wig, it had nothing to do with subterfuge. Fortunately, Satin is able to charge right past the ensuing firefight in her bulletproof van. In the Sea of Lost Souls, Zaymot sneaks aboard the aircraft carrier using his apparent Spider-Man powers, while Destro sends something called a Robotopus after Lady J. Zaymot springs his brother by incapacitating the guards with Starflies. Then the fourth cube is activated and the Pyramid of Darkness is complete all electrical power within the Pyramid's influence ceases. Then Flint gives perhaps the most blatant commercial yet in this ridiculous toy commercial of a show. The Pyramid of Darkness may cancel out modern power sources, but it can't stop the Falcon Glider! Fortunately, Cobra is equipped with a rowing ship. That's thinking ahead, Destro. On the aircraft carrier, Flint has the genius idea to use the wind for sailing. The captain, who is presumably a career sailor, Seems skeptical, but agrees to try Flint's crazy idea. Man, first he brings a woman on board, and now he wants to sail a ship? What's next? Satin drops the boys off at a seemingly arbitrary place, lays down some unprompted exposition about Cobra framing her father, and drives off. Cobra Commander warms up for his Citizens of the World speech when the Crimson Twins walk in and announce that they've mutinied on him. And Quick Kick, Bazooka, and Alpine steal a Cobra plane, which they then almost immediately crash. Will they plunge to their fiery deaths? Will Cobra retain its stranglehold over the world's electricity? Will this show ever top that insane musical number? Tune in next time for the exciting conclusion.